0: Today on episode number 189 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Judith Becher shares her expertise designing online experiences. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahoviak. And this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our personal productivity so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. Today as a part of my partnership with AQ, the Association of College and University Educators, I have the honor of welcoming Dr. Judith V. Betcher. She's a nationally known consultant and author in online and distance learning. Over the course of her career, she's been very fortunate to have worked with great faculty at Penn State University, Florida State University, the University of Florida, and Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Judith is also the founder and principal of Designing for Learning, She's a frequent keynoter at teaching and learning conferences, conducts faculty workshops on best practices in online learning, consults on program design for online and distance learning, and coaches individual faculty on course design. Judith is the co-author with Rita Marie Conrad of the Online Teaching Survival Guide, Simple and Practical Pedagogy Tips, published by Josie Bass in 2010 and 2016, and the Faculty Guide for Moving Teaching and Learning to the Web, 1999-2004, published by the League for Innovation. Judith is the author of many seminal features in higher education magazines and journals, Campus Technology, Innovate, and Educause. Judith, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed.
1: Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. It's just a delight to be here with you.
0: I know that you've been discussing online teaching best practices, not just here on Teaching in Higher Ed this week, but as a part of AQ's Expert Dive series, and that's the Association of College and University Educators. You created this wonderful post on their Q blog and you also are answering questions from the AQ community in an online video office hour coming up this week. So you have been busy with AQ stuff and uh, getting the word out about the importance of quality online education.
1: Well, I have been busy, um, Bonnie, but you know it is just such a delight to be able to talk with educators that are really interested in creating quality online learning experiences, it does take extra work and it takes a little different, little set of different skills than what we have been accustomed to using in the classroom. So it's just uh, really nice to be able to be participating in this.
0: One of the things that you stress in so much of your work is really a coupling, I guess it's not a coupling if it's three things. (laughs) A combination of three things, and that is just stressing the importance of autonomy, competence, and relatedness in online learning. Could you talk a little bit about how you see those three things connecting with each other?
1: Oh, thank you for bringing that up, Bonnie. You know, I must give credit to a researcher, Catherine Hales, and she's at uh, UCLA right now as a professor of English, but she's written some interesting books about the influence and the connectedness of the technology and and our humanity. The reason I got really interested in those three characteristics is that, you know, folks really worried about how do you motivate students online, how do you engage students online. And I found that those three qualities, if we really design courses and experiences with those three qualities in mind, that the student's natural curiosity and great feeling of what it is to learn something just comes through automatically. So motivation becomes less of an issue. But so then you mentioned those three characteristics and let me just mention a little bit about each one of them. Autonomy really means helping students have their own sense of self that they are individuals with their own interests their own zones of proximal development you know where they're ready to learn their own strengths and their own weaknesses and so as we build instructional experiences we want to be able to help the student recognize where they are what do they know when they're starting an experience and then perhaps You know, what is the process for them as they go through the learning, which links right into the feeling of competency. You know, feeling competent about something is just so self-affirming. Whenever we learn something new, even as adults, you know, as we solve a technology problem, we think, yes, I get it. Oh, I'm so excited. So what we do is we build in those feelings of success as we structure Assignments and tasks for the students to make certain there are those are tasks and assignments at which they can be successful at the same time that they are advancing and growing and developing their skills. And then the third item in quality of relatedness builds into that whole goal that we now have, um, whether you're in the classroom or in online, of really building community. We want our students. They really be talking and interacting with each other and not just with the faculty member. One of the other little recommendations, the idea of balancing instruction between the dialogue that students have with resources when they're kind of working on their own, the dialogue that they have with other students. And I see this all the time, by the way, little study groups in Starbucks you know, students. In fact, I can hardly get into my Starbucks, local Starbucks at 3.30 in the afternoon because the high school students are all there. (laughs) But that's great because, you know, when they work in the study groups, they're actually talking. They're using their voice. And with that, they are actually learning. So that third characteristic of relatedness means that they are sharing their journey of learning. And they also are able to take the time to talk and express what they know and what they don't know, rather than it's not powerful enough just to think it in our head. Using our voice is a very addition, powerful additional learning tool that we have.
0: As I'm listening to you, I'm listening to what you're saying but i'm also listening to what you're not saying and i just as i think back on my own teaching failures and i will admit to still struggling with it today you used the word competence and and as you were describing that you talked about designing experiences and you you talked about this relatedness as creating more of a sense of learners coming together and collaborating with other learners. But what you didn't say, or at least what what I, I felt like perhaps was intentionally missing was, we don't lay everything out perfectly such that there's never any challenges that these learners encounter on their way toward competence. And that's sometimes what I'll find myself when things start to get messy (laughs) in a class where I go like, oh, I need to fix this. I must intervene. I must fix this because this is hard to watch. (laughs) And yet learning, if we're truly going to get to competence, it's—it's I've got to step out of the way sometimes. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of encountering challenge? And especially I know one of the things you talk about is the importance of context and, I, and, and some of the knowledge transfer and as that relates to context. So I'll just pass it back to you to reflect on some of what I didn't hear you say and, and as you describe these three things coming together.
1: Oh, wow, Bonnie. You've been, you know, as you were saying that, my brain went in about five different directions. <laughs> um <laughs> Let me just share share this example, following up on your comment about you know, oh, you have to intervene because things are getting really messy. Yeah. You know, I have four children; they're all within about the same age age range. And when they were younger, they wanted to bake a cake or they wanted to bake cookies, and of course, you know, oh my God, the kitchen would get to be an awful, awful mess. But my only salvation was that I just kind of let them at it, and then I left. I was in the house if they needed me, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I let them just go at it. And I think that is something that absolutely helps our students learn. One of my other favorite things I like to challenge faculty with actually is, you know, we are particularly now we're in the 21st century, you know, and we don't have answers for everything when I was growing up, the instruction was always, well, let's find out what the teacher knows, let's find the right answers, because was, there was always a, seemed to be always a right answer to everything. You know, where we are today is that we don't have right answers to many things at all. And what we really want to do is structure experiences where we don't have the answers and that students can come up with different solutions, that they have to go through problem-solving processes gather data, research data, come up with possible solutions and ideas, and have them work on coming up with possible recommendations and possible solutions. That energizes people because they do come up with, they they have challenges. Wow, we don't have the answer. I can actually come up with something that hasn't been done before. And now that I say all that, I think about, look how many of our 21st century Social media tools were built by young people when they were in their 20s because they came up and solved the problem that they saw and they put the technology and their knowledge together and came up with a solution. So my little mantra, a recommendation would be to review your courses and see where you can take the answers out and put the challenges in. Mm.
0: That can be a really fearful thing to do because when we think about ourselves as teachers, as providers of knowledge, that can be a pretty jolting thing to say, wow, if that's not my role, if we're exploring things that haven't been, you know, questions that haven't been asked before, I don't have the answers to them, what then does my role become? And that can be a really hard shift, especially in terms of one's own ego. <laughs> and, and I mean, having gotten through, mo- <laughs> you know, many of us either are on our way or have already earned a, a terminal degree. I mean, those, those types of environments can often reinforce the exact opposite of helpful characteristics as a teacher, you know, making this kind of evolution of thinking of the role.
1: You know, but isn't it exciting it turns out, you know, one of the topics I like to talk about is what it t- what does it mean to be an expert at something? And we know that some of the research suggests it takes 10,000 hours before you're an expert at anything. And if you go back and look at what it, the number of hours and years it takes to complete a terminal degree, guess what? It's probably pretty close to 10 years. All right. But isn't it exciting to think about having sharing with our students the areas of our knowledge where we have researched and what we now know that we didn't know before but at the same time look take a look at our field and our knowledge and our areas and say but these are the things we don't know know yet these are the areas of continuing and ongoing research that can be really exciting
0: i also think it's just so powerful to continually put ourselves back in the role of novice and we've had many people on the podcast talk about doing this. I was so pleased to be able to talk to Mike Wesh. And one of his things was doing handstands. And we've had someone talk about learning how to play piano. And and actually Mike Wesh talked about, I think one of his students taught him how to play the violin. I mean, it's incredible. And I, I have felt at times just intimidated, like, yeah, looking at my wrists, I don't think it's going to be handstands for me. And I don't think it's going to be the violin. I started on a recent journey of being a novice with using this cult ish kitchen gadget called the Instant Pot, which is often abbreviated Instapot. And it is so funny to me just how many parallels are there. Everything from slight burn because I didn't understand quite when they say Steam is going to be released for this thing, they really mean it. (laughs) And that's like, you know, I, I wasn't like permanently damaged or anything, but just experimenting myself and having the burn, you know, error message come on for the first time and then getting introduced to communities online and how much I've been able to learn, but also how much I've just been able to learn through experimentation and failure. And I don't give up and I try again and I have successes and it feels really good to have that success and reach that competence after having, you know, struggled and then realized I could work it out myself. I didn't go to an Instapot class where someone walked me through it, you know, step by step. It, it was definitely <laughs> something that I do, I think is going to be something that what will be a part of my life going forward. But I, I just treasure this opportunity of being a novice and it, it kind of gets addicting as a teacher to, if, we, if we truly take the risks to be vulnerable like that.
1: And isn't it great to share those kinds of feelings about how you are feeling as you're going through the learning experience? You can share those with the students and say that, you know, it's learning is not just a one-time thing, that we're constantly learning. I, I've been fortunate enough with, in the last 10 years where I haven't been working quite as much as I used to that I've been... I've Kind of a wannabe, I want to do watercolor. I Mm. want to do that. You know, it takes time. And that's something else that with our students, we can share the fact that, you know, I would be further along my path becoming a competent (laughs) watercolorist if I invested more time in it because learning does take time. So that's another way of really encouraging our students and reminding our students that when they're taking a a course, whether it's online or in the classroom, that investing and scheduling time to do the work is essential to progress.
0: What can you tell us about the complexity of developing concepts that are more than just words?
1: So, yes, the complexity of developing concepts. You know, this question goes back to the days of my dissertation, actually, when I, as I was going through my PhD program, I managed to take a series of courses on knowledge. And I I had my overriding question during that time and has continued throughout my life is how is it know, what does it mean to really know something? How does our brain look? What does our brain look like when we really know something? And some of the research that's been done, you know, this is Nobel Prize winning folks have done, you know, research on what it takes to grow neurons in little, little, you know, small celled animals and everything else. And what we have, what we do know is that when we know something we are growing neurons and synapses and linkages in our brain our brain in fact looks a great deal like a web and when we think about a concept a concept i think when i was uh, you know years ago it was easy to assume that you knew something or knew a concept if you knew the words associated with the concept but we know now that a concept is much more than just a single word. In fact, a, a word is simply um, like the tip of the iceberg. And I'm sorry for mixing my metaphors here. But anyway, you know, <laughs> keep those two ideas in mind. You know, the word is really just the tip of the iceberg. To really know a concept, you need to have the entire web of knowledge around that word and what all the con- all the patterns that it, it brings in and all the data elements that you re- that are required in fact the one another analogy is actually if you think about a you know mysteries and detective stories are very popular and the whole process of a detective or police police procedural has the investigator gathering bits of data they gather bits of data and they don't have the big picture at all until they gather all these bits and pieces of data and then they theorize and they think they have the picture, but all of a sudden they add in about four or five new elements and all of a sudden the entire picture changes, the entire concept you know, of where they're going changes. And so it's not until they have all the gathered, all the data and all the pieces that the big picture or the big concept, the big solution finally comes into focus.
0: I remember when my son was about two years old or so, I was having a little difficulty getting him into the car to get going. And I desperately needed my caffeine fix for the morning. <laughs> and so I did, <laughs> yeah. I let him know he wasn't wearing shoes. So I said, well, you know, you can go barefoot and then we'll get you know your shoes on. I said something like that. And at some point on the drive, it wasn't clear to me why, but he just started completely melting down. And it turned out that this concept of going barefoot, to me, means you don't wear shoes. And to him was some amazing wonderland that involved bears and feet and things like he thought we were going to a place called bear, B-E-A-R, and I don't know where he thought the feet came into all of this and was just, you know, so disappointing And there can be so many times in the learning process in both directions, not just, "ah ha, ha, the student didn't understand this, but we ourselves as teachers cannot understand things and not realize that we're not understanding it. What are ways that you think about where these disconnects can emerge and then then be explored? What what are some ideas, and especially when we talk about going online, how do we uncover this? Because we're not even necessarily always doing this in real time?
1: Well, when we're online, you know, there's like three or four different tools that are really just the core ways of communicating and building relationships and getting to know our students. And the discussion... The discussion forum is just, you know, a major, major piece because in the discussion forum is where we really want to, as we are challenging the students to, to develop concepts, conceptual awareness in a, in a field of knowledge, that we ask them um, a couple things. Number one, at the very beginning of the concept development, we try and probe and find out what, the, what do they think they know? Because mm-hmm. sometimes they think they know something about a subject, but it's totally off base. And so by... In inquiring early on, as what do you think you already know about this? We can identify, you know, areas of knowledge where they may be misinterpreting or confusing it with the incoming uh, new information. So initially finding out what is it that they do know is, you know, obviously a, a very much of a first step. And then the second step is once we talk, you know, we often would have a little mini lecture, mini online lecture concept demonstration and then we follow up and end with an additional task asking the students to use that information in some discussion or you know read another paper and reflect on it so we really use the discussion form and the students words to find out what it is that they know now that we have the ease of use of audio and video we can also ask Students to either draw something or, or to, as we are doing now, record an audio, some audio thoughts on that, although it's much easier in terms of time for faculty to read writing rather than to listen to audio. So I encourage the use of audio when students are working together, but when reporting back to faculty, I do go back to the words because, it's because of the time issue. So it's by having the students reflect Write, talk out, and apply. That we find out where that where they are and what they're getting.
0: Yeah, and part of what I'm hearing you you describe too is just having there be different ways of conveying my knowledge, and having there be different ways of, and I mean sometimes even giving a choice. It could be that you draw something. It could be that you record audio. It could be record video. And 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 though you also describe sort of the realities of. In my experience, if I ask students, just go create a video of any length and I don't specify, you know this already, Due to the but it is actually way harder to create video that is shorter. And so some of the tools, like one I have shared about on the podcast that I started using is called Flipgrid. There are many tools that are like this, but it allows us to set time limits on these quick video recordings that really do end up looking a lot more like a conversation. And I had so many of the students come back and report to me that at first that felt like an overwhelming limitation ah, you want me to say this in 60 seconds or two minutes or whatever? And that they really, (laughs) by the time they got through that struggle and they looked back on their learning over the semester, not only had they learned a lot about the content from the course, but they really learned a lot just about conciseness and thinking through the most powerful way to convey their message. And I, I mean, so that, that even though we all have our own human limitations of how much we're able to do, you talked about a shift of getting students doing that with other students, which really helps, but even taking advantage of some of the time limits in the tools can be really helpful, even just beyond your own sanity and ability to provide effective feedback.
1: Well, you know, and then of course, we have the, ti- the, uh, the character limit in Twitter that reminds us of the importance of really distilling what we are thinking into the core core ideas that we're trying to communicate. Something else that I recommend for the online students is that, you know, oftentimes when we when they think they understand something, you know, the best way to f- check whether or not you understand something is to teach it to someone else, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes another student isn't easily available. I said, try your family, you know, it, it would be great if you've got a, a, a child or a spouse or someone, explain. you know, share, it does a number of different things. Number one, taking time to do online learning often takes time away from family and other close relationships by sharing what you are learning with those other close relationships gives you a chance, you the learner, a chance to practice and also get you all closer together because people understand what it is that you're doing. So it's kind of a, you know, something we don't often think about but what the power can be of, of just talking with your spouse and saying, this is what I'm learning and this is what I'm doing and this is
0: what I'm excited about. Mm-hmm, absolutely. This is the time in the show when we each get to give some recommendations. And it actually, my recommendations parallel so much with many of the things we've already been talking about, Judith. The first one I wanted to recommend, people may or may not know this. I have not to date as of January 23rd. I have not taken on any sports paid sponsors for this podcast, but I do like to mention tools that I have found to be particularly helpful because people like the practicality of that, you know, if I wanted to experiment with video, I mentioned Flipgrid earlier in this particular podcast, you know, where might I start? And I, of course, hear from so many of the listeners who will say, oh, I tried this other one, you should check it out too. I always have an overwhelming someday maybe technology list of cool things I can go explore from so many suggestions of people who listen to this show. But I wanted to mention one that is a bigger bigger commitment than Flipgrid. Flipgrid is one of those things, they have a free tool that gets you pretty far and then a fairly inexpensive paid option, which I did subscribe to. But the one I'm going to talk about here is actually it's coinciding with our learning management system. We use Canvas at our institution. And the company that makes Canvas came out with their own streaming video solution, which they call ARC, A-R-C, ARC Media. And it's our first semester using it. We just rolled it out. And so I had my first set of students that I can assign a video to, in this case, it's a wonderful series of videos from a professor at Harvard named Michael Sandel, and he made a delightful series of videos of his course there at Harvard, which is, at least at the time of the recording of these videos, was Harvard's most popular course called Justice. And so I was able to take the videos that they have recorded of his lectures, which are housed on YouTube but instead of having my students go watch them on YouTube and the trying to navigate YouTube's commenting system, and then, of course, there's a whole bunch of other people involved in the conversation that aren't part of our class, I was able to just take that URL from the YouTube video and put it inside of our learning management system and have its own really rich commenting system. As you're going along watching the video, he talks about the classic philosophical problem called the trolley problem and do you go and let the trolley go where it might and it ends up killing five people or do you take it off to the side and end up killing one person you know these great great uh, mind games (laughs) that we can play in philosophy and the students can comment in real time as they're watching the video so i just told them you know watch it as if he's asking you the question and then answer back his question in the comments and it was just so delightful and i got to talk with them a little bit this week about how they experienced that what did they like about it and it was just a delight. So I would suggest that if anyone out there is looking at new streaming video options at your institution, I can't say enough good things about it. And even if that's you know beyond your decision-making capability at your institution, check out something like Flipgrid or another one is VoiceThread. Go out there and just start checking out these tools that can help us really transition into what video can do in the lives of our students. So that's my suggestion for today. And Judith, I'm gonna pass it over to you now to make your recommendation.
1: Okay, well, a couple of things I, I, I would recommend. One of the challenges with uh, our online learners is that they can often get really bogged down. And particularly when, with online courses, rather than having midterms and finals, they really, I like to really design courses around projects and the projects would have different phases, of course, so that end stages to help students. But, you know, it still is difficult for students that are, are so busy with so many things going on to go ahead and sometimes discipline themselves to have the time to really do the work that they need to do. And so there is a business productivity book that I keep recommending. and You all may have heard about it and used it already, but it's by David Allen and the, book, the title of the book is called Getting Things Done. And in fact, I was introduced to that book. Speaking of learning from others, I was introduced to that book by my oldest daughter. I was explaining and talking with her about a project that I couldn't get myself going on and everything else. And so I was kind of, you know, you know how you just your mind just goes around in circles and you don't get anywhere. And she finally said, Mom, stop. What is your next step?
0: Mm. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it
1: turns out that, that I have applied that advice in any, different, any number of ways. In fact, even when I'm writing something, as I was writing my book, in fact, when I got to a point where I had to stop, before I stopped totally, I, I wrote to myself, my next step when I come back to this is to do the following. And that way, you know, we, the amount of time that we lose often in transitioning from non-writing tasks to writing tasks, it really helped zero me in right away. And I still do that today with other kinds of projects. If I find myself just in in a circle, running in circles in my brain about how am I going to get something done, that I stop and say, okay, what is my next step? So one of the challenges, and I think one of the skills that it's really good to incorporate into our online learning programs our skills in getting work done. So this is, you know, a book that I would recommend.
0: Oh, it's such a wonderful book. Well, Judith, it has been so great to be introduced to you through AQ. For people that haven't been listening for a while, I have a partnership with the Association of College and University Educators that once a month they send me a wonderful guest and of course Judith has lived up to that great reputation and so throughout uh, for the unforeseeable future you'll be having you'll be getting to hear monthly guests from AQ and they'll line up with their AQ's Q blog and these online video office hours and just an opportunity to engage with a guest such as yourself Judith so I appreciate your time so much and really treasure your work that you're doing with AQ
1: well, thank you so much, Bonnie. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to hearing many more of your podcasts going forward as well.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to Judith for being a guest on the show and to AQ for your partnership in making these episodes with such wonderful guests possible. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you would like to receive the links to all the great things that Judith shared and even some of the things that she didn't share, but that were a part of us preparing for today's episode, you can go to com slash 189 for the 189th episode. You can also subscribe to the weekly update where these show notes and a blog post written by me each week will come into your inbox. You can subscribe at teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe. And when you do subscribe, you do receive a ebook, a free guide on 19 ed tech tools to use in your own productivity or in your teaching. So I hope you consider subscribing and thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.